Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Uh, so bear with me on the names, but a reading from Colossians 4, uh, verses 7 to 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Aristippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting to you to, in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Um, and now I'll pray for Mafi before he uh, preaches. Father, thank you for bringing us here together to hear from your word, which is inspired by you and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I pray that you're with Mafi today and you, as you speak through him and that you speak to us um, in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Connor. I appreciate that, guys. Uh, it's good to be here. If I haven't met you before, I'm Mafi. I'm on the staff team here at church. And it's, it's awesome to be here. We're, we're in our ninth and final week of being rooted in Christ in the book of Colossians. And I guess up to this point, we've been considering where, where our roots are placed, uh, where we put our roots, and finding that the secret, the, jo- the secret to joy, to contentment, to fullness, is found not in what the world offers, but it's actually Christ in you, and Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so in the first half of the book, we saw what Jesus has achieved for us. And now in the second half, it's how do we respond in light of Jesus, in light of what he's done? And so I guess we're finishing off the book today, and today's passage is similar to maybe what you would call the terms and conditions in an Apple update. It's the sort of thing you scroll down through and then you click accept. You maybe don't take too much time to read through it. And um, it's kind of similar at the end of Ephesians, at the end of Romans, probably most of the book of Leviticus. But our text today is one of these ones that we tend to skim over in our Bible readings. It's kind of a bunch of names that don't mean very much to us. And you may wonder why God inspired these verses to be in his word. But actually, there's so much more um, 
do this that I actually couldn't fit into a single message. But the main idea I want to bring to you this afternoon is that being in the family of Christ means being devoted to one another in the tough circumstances and for the second chances. In the tough circumstances and for the second chances. And Christ City Church, I'm going to suggest to you today that we ought to be a church that's marked by its encouragement toward one another and prayer for one another in this current season. So these are the two things, encouragement and prayer. I'm convinced, church, that we will exit lockdown and emerge from this pandemic, both individually and as a family, stronger and fitter if we commit ourselves to these two crucial ministries of prayer and encouragement. So being in, in the family of Christ means being devoted to one another in the tough circumstances. It's, it's always been said that blood is thicker than water, that there's no bond like that of family, that, that family trumps everything. And the problem with this is that it's not a reality for many of us. It's not a reality that many of us have experienced. Families are commonly broken, they're damaged. They can be inaccessible, they can be turbulent. And K King Solomon, who wrote many of the Proverbs, knows this too well. He, he says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It, it is possible, in fact, to have friends and companions who are more faithful than family. And in fact, more family than family are family. And I guess so it is now here with Paul, who is in prison. He's likely chained to a guard. So there's a, there's a clinking of the chains. There's a person always beside him. He knows full well what tough circumstances are like. Having written this letter, he now entrusts it to, to Tychicus. It could be Tychicus, it could be Tychicus, it could be Tych, it could be Ty, it could be anything. We're going to call him Tychicus today. And he calls him a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. Here is a dependable friend. Look at the language Paul's using. Tychicus is Paul's letter carrier. He's his messenger, his trusted companion. And Paul describes Tychicus almost word for word the same in Ephesians 6. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. He's the kind of guy you want to have your back. And Paul's language is so affectionate towards him. Guys, I, I, I don't know when the last time that you, you were called um, uh, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord, a dear brother. These are incredible words. Paul's language is so affectionate. These are friends that know the cost of following Christ. Tychicus knows the cost of following Christ. He knows the dangers that's involved. He just has to look at his friend, Paul. Friends that have could, would have had a good reason to pull back. Tychicus had that. Good reason to step away. Good reason to abandon Paul. Tychicus had it all. But yet he was committed to the gospel. Committed to Paul. And then even more so in his hardship. Tychicus was a faithful friend. He was devoted, faithful minister. He was a servant in the Lord. He was devoted to Paul. But more than that, he was devoted to Christ. And then this next guy, Onesimus. Onesimus had an even greater reason to leave Paul. He was initially a slave to an owner called Philemon in, in Colosseum. And you can read about it in the book of Philemon. But he ran away to get lost in the big city. So Onesimus ran away from his owner to get lost in the big city. But he bumped into Paul in Rome. And instead of getting lost, he got found by the Lord. Paul led Onesimus to faith in Jesus. And what happens next? He becomes a dedicated helper in the gospel. Becomes one of Paul's very closest companions. And Paul says to, to Philemon um, in the book of Philemon, I'm sending Onesimus, who is my very heart. Wow. Paul says to Philemon, I'm sending Onesimus, who is my very heart. 
He was that close friend with a bad past. And you can read about it in Paul's letter to Philemon. And, you know, in Colossians here, Paul could have written to the Colossians and he could have said about Onesimus, he was a runaway slave whom sending back to his master. Instead, he called him a faithful and beloved brother. And he let the Colossian Christians know that Onesimus was now one of you. He was a forgiven and accepted brother in Christ. The old things had gone. He was brand new in Christ. The new has come. It is not the old Onesimus. It's the new Onesimus who is in Christ. Wow, what a guy. A faithful and beloved brother. Here are two guys that had every reason to run one way. Instead, they ran the other. You know, church friends seek to serve, encourage, and strengthen each other. And here are guys who are bonded in Christ, who are working together to encourage the local churches. Their mission was to relay information and to bring inspiration. These guys were to be carriers of encouragement. In another place, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says these words, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. For people who did not wear proper shoes and proper footwear, there were very few feet who were beautiful. So this is a striking line. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. These are carriers of encouragement. My, my granda Baskin was a carrier of encouragement. He had beautiful feet metaphorically. He grew up with no shoes and then he got shoes as he grew older. But he was given a ministry of encouragement by the Lord whenever he gave his life to Jesus. He moved from, from County Lish up to County Tyrone. He worked in the clothing business. He, he, he worked Monday to Saturday, nine to five. That was his everyday job for about 60 odd years. He got to know the community, invested in the town. He positioned himself centrally in the town so he could reach both sides of the community. To do what? To give a ministry of encouragement, to build others up in the faith and to carry the hope of Jesus to those not yet of the faith. And you might say, well, Matthew, that sounds good. That's great for him. But my feet have barely left the front door since Christmas. They're not exactly traveling to bring good news. And I agree, because Paul knows what it's like. Paul knows what it's like. How could he minister to them when he's in lockdown? How can he build and maintain a sense of community when he's so far away, when he'll never get to see them again, and when the odds are so highly stacked against him? Listen to the answer. Through his faithful companions. What, what? A ministry of encouragement. Paul's affection towards his Christian family is incredible. If there's ever somebody you want to suffer with for the gospel, it's Paul. He knows the value of Christian community. He knows hardship. He knows how to love his family well in the midst of it. And he continues with Aristarchus and Mark, who sends their greetings, as does Jesus, who is called Justice. And I can see how they could be confused by that one. So they call him justice. And look at verse 11. It says, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have proved a what to me? They've proved a comfort to me. These brothers have counted the cost of following Christ. They've made Paul's sacrifices all the more manageable by committing with him. He's described them as a comfort. These are companions so rooted in Christ that when the winds of trial, when the winds of temptation blow, what do they do? They stand firm. They're faithful. They're immovable. They're the type of friends you want to have around you and the type you want to be. You know, church, the friend that sticks closer to a brother than a brother doesn't actually have to. They aren't required to. There's no obligation to. There's no demand on them, but yet they choose to. 
There's a stickability in them that seems to have gone out of fashion. But for Onesimus, for example, this is the, the overflow of Christ's love for his people. And this was is simply doing what he's seen Jesus do. Jesus wasn't bound to love us. He wasn't under any obligation. But yet, what did he choose to do? He chose to lay down his life for his friends. Church, being in the family of Christ means being devoted to one another in the tough circumstances. You might say, well, we have internet, so we don't need any letter carriers. We don't need any homing pigeons. We can't go any further than 5K away. Math, I'm, I'm trying to get a new job. I'm just trying to stay afloat. I don't feel like I get help very much. I can't even serve in the capacity I once was able to. I, I get that. And, and I agree. Sometimes I feel the same. Look with me to verse 12. Look with me to verse 12 for some incredible encouragement. In the midst of lockdown, in the midst of social distancing, Epaphras, who is one of you, a Gentile, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. Wow. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. Epaphras planted the Colossian church. And his report to Paul in Rome is what prompted Paul to write this letter. Here's a guy who's working hard, who's interceding for the church from afar. How? Through diligent prayer. Why? Because of a deep desire for them to stand firm in the faith. Guys, Epaphras prayed well because he cared well. He loved his family well. They were dear to his heart. Onesimus and Antichagus carried the letter to encourage their hearts. Do you see how these guys are operating as a team? My, season, my friends, we're, we're, we're in a season where many things have been stripped back. But the ministries of prayer and encouragement can still flourish. There's absolutely nothing that will prevent the ministries of prayer and encouragement from flourishing. So how, how can we build community? How, how can we maintain community even while being socially distanced? You know, at the start of the year, um, in first prayer and worship night of 2021, we focused on four things for the year ahead. And one of these was going small. <clears throat> it seems like the most countercultural thing to do for a church. We want to go small. But in the COVID-19 has caused us to think about our smaller units. For us, that's our city groups and our life groups. And ironically, this was Jesus' focus on ministry all along, investing in a few for the sake of the many. And so who can you reach out to? Who are your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith that you can encourage? Who can you strengthen through encouragement and prayer this week? Maybe you're not part of a city group. Maybe this is a time to maybe plug into one day and invest deeply in a, in a, in a group of friends in a new community. <coughs> so not only being devoted in the tough circumstances through prayer and encouragement, but also for the second chances. I'm under no illusion. These guys sound great and sure they're in the Bible. They're faithful and trusted companions in the gospel. Absolutely. But they're also flawed companions in the gospel. They're also flawed companions in the gospel. If you have ever been a friend or if you have ever had a friend, you will know what it is to be let down, to be abandoned, to be disappointed, to be disillusioned, to fall short and even and to let down others. In belonging to the family of God, you're aligning yourself with, with flawed brothers and sisters 
who will greatly benefit from your encouragement and prayer. But be under no illusion, you will be let down. And in this passage, while we might see 10 odd names listed as Paul closes off the letter, we can easily miss the significance of a couple of these. Onesimus, we've learned, for example, has, he's had plenty of baggage. He's got more baggage than enough. He could have easily turned away. And another two that we're going to consider here are Mark and Demas. Mark, take Mark, he, he'd been the first one to desert the team. Back in the early days, during Paul and Barnabas' first missionary trip, in Acts 13, it records Mark taking off and returning home to Jerusalem. Mark bailed on them. Paul and Barnabas and Mark were a team. They were going. Mark bailed. Again, we don't know why, but Paul didn't approve. And there was a big falling out. And in fact, whenever Barnabas wanted to bring Mark back on the team, Paul would have had none of it. But here we are now. Here is Mark now fully reconciled with Paul at the later part of Paul's life. Fully reconciled to and fully trusted by Paul. And we find out later that he's very useful in gospel ministry. What has changed? Mark gives each of us hope. Maybe you're a little bit like Mark. I certainly am. He had a weak start. He didn't appear to have the right stuff. He wasn't the right breeding. He couldn't be relied upon. He, he disappointed his leaders. He disappointed his friends by leaving him in, in the heat of the battle while he went off home. He fell short when he was needed the most. Does it sound familiar? Me too. But Mark ended well. At some point, he rejoined the battle and he proved a faithful, trusted, useful warrior. In Paul's final letter, you see on the screen, before he died, these are Paul's very last written words. Look at what he records. Get Mark and bring him. He writes this to Timothy. Get Mark and bring him with you. Why? Because he's helpful to me in my ministry. It's incredible. Mark started poorly, but he finished well. And he serves as an encouragement to us. But Demas, who's mentioned along with Luke, the doctor in verse 14, should serve as a warning. Verse 14 reads, our, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. There's only three brief references to Demas in the whole Bible, and they tell a sad story. We hear nothing more of him in this letter. And in, in Philemon, we, we hear Demas, my fellow laborer. And then in 2 Timothy, the verse before Mark is mentioned, it says, Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. I wonder if Paul wrote that with tears in his eyes. His trusted friend, his companion, the one that was with him, the one that was counting the cost, is now bailed. There's a progression here. In Philemon, Paul says, Demas, my fellow laborer. To the Colossians, Paul writes, Demas greets you. And in 2 Timothy, Paul writes, Demas has forsaken me because he's loved the present world. Maybe Demas feared being executed with Paul and he fled to safety. Maybe he simply caved into the relentless temptation of a city more comfortable, more prosperous life in the large, wealthy city of Thessalonica. Whatever it was, Paul saw it as an embracing of the world. Demas began well. He began well. He joined Paul in his missionary endeavors. He counted the cost. He walked the path, but it doesn't appear to have finished well. Church, we, we don't know the last word in Demas. I hope that in the end they repented. But because of Mark, we know that failure doesn't have to be the final word for us. 
You know, God uses flawed people because there's absolutely no other type. There's no other type. You know, these two serve as a warning and encouragement to us. However, the, the, the ministries of prayer and encouragement are not in and of themselves a secret, and this is key, but rather they point towards Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Paul's only motivation all along was to encourage the believers in the gospel. Paul isn't a hero in the letter. He's not the CEO. He's not their big boss. Instead, what he's trying to do is just edify his family of believers. He's pointing towards Christ, to those at Laodicea, to, to Nympha and the church at her house. That's incredible. She's got a house church. To Ar Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. He's wanting them on. He's cheering on his companions. He's, he's in the stands and he's shouting onto the pitch, guys, you can do it. Let's do this. Keep on keeping on. Paul might be chained to a guard. He might be restricted in movement, physical freedoms, all but gone. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely not. James cannot restrict it, the removal of physical freedoms will not restrict it. Persecution won't restrict it. The gospel cannot be restricted. Absolutely nothing can stand against it. You know, very often we find the very opposite is true. The underground church in Asia, for example, is flourishing. Persecution moves people to the ministries of prayer and encouragement. Persecution moves people to their knees. Sure, they go underground, but the gospel spreads like wildfire. Do not miss this. The lesson for us is that as we are united in Christ alone, we have got to be depend or devoted to one another for the second chances. There will be failure in life. There will be failure in friendships. In community, failure is absolutely inevitable, but we start with grace. COVID-19 has brought on loss, has brought on weariness, has brought on burnout like many of us will never before have faced. None of us are practiced in pandemics. Few of us are, are practiced in persecution, perhaps. We all need heaps and heaps of grace. Let us begin with grace. Let's encourage one another to commit to praying for one another that we would be a people who would finish well. Church, time is a precious commodity. Let's make the most of it with one another. You know, we are a people that are absolutely hindered by the effects of COVID-19. There no, there's no denying it. But yet we are carrying a gospel that is unchained, that is unhindered, and that is as powerful and as on fire and as relevant and as life-changing as ever. Church, I want to encourage you today, let's do a mark and not a demas. Let's not allow ourselves to fall in love with the world, but continually look to Jesus. Church, as we conclude the book, we have seen, saw Christ's supremacy at the start. And now we, we see this life that we are to live out in light of who he is. And so today I want to encourage us, be, being in the family of Christ means being devoted to one another in the tough circumstances with prayer and with encouragement. And it also means being devoted to one another for the second chances along with prayer and encouragement. Maybe you've failed, you've slipped up recently. I want to tell you, let's get back on the horse. Your race is not finished. You're not finished. God has a plan and a purpose for you. He wants to see his kingdom come and be extended in Dublin where you are. If you're able, you just close your eyes um, I'm going to pray. 
just as we finish and as, as Andrew comes to sing. God, I'm, I'm so aware of the, of the clink and the clang of the chains that Paul, that Paul had, that he couldn't have even written this letter without hearing the chains. He knew he was chained. Every aspect of his life was chained, but yet the gospel is not chained. And thank you, Jesus, that Paul says these light and momentary troubles are achieving for him a glory that far outweighs all the pains and all the trials, all the tribulations of this world. I thank you, Jesus, that here are our men and women who counted the cost. And so, Jesus, may we get in line, may we do the same, may we, we who follow along count the cost with prayer and with encouragement. And in, in Pat's words, Christ be our sufficiency, Christ be our motivation, and Christ be our master today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.